Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to now be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today here in the studio, my guests make up a duo act currently based out of Orlando, Florida. However, they have also lived, gosh, all over in Nashville, in Denver, in Georgia. They recently played in the Florida Keys at the Americana Music Festival and have done shows throughout the country, including at Six Flags Theme Park in Illinois, plus at venues and events in places like Atlanta, Alabama, New Jersey, New Mexico. In 2012, they recorded a CD called Mahogany Meets Rosewood, and earlier this year recorded a three-song EP with Nashville producer Dave Fowler. You've been hearing one of their songs, Vultures in Disguise. It's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Britta and Brooke Dodgen, The Redheads. Hi, Bruce. Thanks you so much for having us today. My pleasure. Thank you for... Thank you for being here and making the drive over from uh, Orlando, escaping the shadow of the mouse, as us Floridians say. <laughs> uh, I've got lots of questions for the two of you today, but before I get too carried away and then forget to go back, um, just talk, if you would, about your song that was just playing, Vultures in Disguise. Well, sometimes you meet people who are vultures in disguise. It's a pretty... Um it's a healing song we wrote. Just sometimes in the music industry, you go with the wrong people or the wrong type of environment, and you make mistakes. You know, you're only human, and you've got to grow from it. And I think what's amazing is the power of songwriting. You can use it to heal and to get over yeah, emotional conflicts that you've gone through. And uh, I'll set the record straight before we carry on. That was Britta that was talking, so you'll hear the difference in the voice as uh, as Brooke answers some of these questions also. Um, but uh, it will spare us from saying, Britta, why don't you take this one? Or for, for Brooke saying, this is Brooke talking now. So um, we will carry on. Uh, this is a busy time for the Redheads. As I mentioned in the intro, you just played at the Americana Music Festival down in the Florida Keys. Uh, Two days ago, the three of us were on TV here in Tampa. Today we've got this interview. Tomorrow night, the Redheads have a show in Orlando. Every time I talk to the two of you, there's always something going on. The two of you really keep busy with your music. We do. We travel all over. We've played Six Flags in Chicago. We've played the Roxy Theater in Denver. Multiple shows down in New Mexico, including Adobe Bar at the Historic Taos Inn. And then, yeah, just playing the Keys last weekend, 4th of July. That was amazing show. So much fun. And we love yeah. it. We love music, and we love to tour around. Absolutely. 
don't have a, don't have to try to convince me of that. Like like I said, every time we're talking on the phone, you're in the car going somewhere, you're packing to go somewhere, and uh, life of a musician. Yes. Yeah, keeping busy. Um, I want to back up just a minute. I mentioned uh, that the three of us were on TV two days ago, and and listeners, you can see video of that online. Hopefully, by the time this podcast gets posted on iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. The portion of the show where Britta and Brooke and myself were interviewed will be up on the Now Hear This official YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, youtube.com slash watchnht. There's also a link to that at www.nowhearthis.biz. I know the Redheads have a link already on their Facebook page to their performance on the show. So, ladies, my question for you is... Uh, what are a couple important differences between playing, uh, say, like you're going to do tomorrow night versus performing on a TV show? I guess you really just shouldn't let it get in your head. You know, don't make too much of a big deal about being on a TV show. You know, um, you'll just psych yourself out. Everything's about just staying calm and really performing that song. And I guess a really big difference would be something that's actually easier to play on a TV show. You just really have to practice that one, two songs you're going to perform. And tomorrow night, we're playing a two-hour show. It's a lot more preparation. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, There's an expression, the devil is in the details. I was really impressed when we were at the TV station two days ago, and the producer asked you, when was the last time you checked the battery on your preamp? And, And Britta, you said, this morning. And then there still ended up being an issue during the middle of your song anyway since there are up-and-coming performers listening to this podcast um, talk about those all-important details and then also talk about reacting during a live performance when something does go wrong well you definitely always have to double check your equipment we've been at shows with other bands before and that preamp battery is out and we're we're there in the back going here we have a d battery for you So it's very, very important to prep and make sure all your material is there, all your backup things. Um, You can always break a string right before a show, and so you want all the extras. Um, It's just really go with the flow, because you can't control it. We couldn't control that there were sound difficulties or if there's going to be feedback at a show. You really just have to go for it and try your best, and it's really about recovery in a band. How do you handle whatever's thrown your way? And so as far as um, reacting during a live performance when something goes wrong, the the key is? Um, really just to keep going, you know. Uh, we really come from a large dance background. When we were younger, we did a lot of advanced ballet, and there's a lot of training involved, and um, pretty much... It's go with the flow. Yeah. The show must go on. And I think that's what you get with longevity, with being... We've been a band for 10 years now. And, yeah, it was harder when we first started. First year, second year, when there was something going on, you know, that was a real struggle. But now when something's thrown our way, you can recover. We can always recover and keep the show going. Yeah, and I guess, you know, common sense tells me that if all of a sudden something goes wrong, you're not going to stop in the middle of a song, you know, to, to fix what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And, and fortunately, the, the two of you are fortunate enough in that you're not a solo act. You know, if you're a solo act and you break a string, I mean, chances are 
You may have to stop the song. Well, actually, it would really show up if one of us broke a string as a duo. If one of us messes up, it actually highlights it. It's a lot more difficult with two guitars. You have to be dead on on the chord changes. You can really hear if Britt's doing something different than I am. But, once again, an advantage of being a band who's played years and years... Um, if you do break a string, you can kind of go around that string. You know, you could magically You, you fix kind it. of think in the scale and the frame of the chord changes, what's going to sound right. Amazing, amazing. Uh, so it's not polite to ask a woman her age, but when you say that you've been playing together for 10 years, tell the listeners what your ages are. Oh, well, this is Britta talking, and I'm 26. And I'm 23. So that's amazing, 16 and 13, and... Uh, here it is, ten years later, and you're and you're veterans, and you're only hanging around hanging around. Well, the you know, it really does take a lot of work. Like, take Taylor Swift for an example. You might think she's just an overnight success, but she was working on it since she was a little kid. Same thing with Hunter Hayes. He's four years old, playing the accordion in that movie, The Prophet. I mean, they they worked on it, and I think that was one thing. Actually, even with American Idol, the ones that really have succeeded and become American Idol and then had longevity in their careers afterwards, they worked before. It wasn't an overnight success. Hours and hours of commitment. And, um, well, I can't remember what I was going to say with that, but, um, oh, I know. So we didn't play music when we were kids, you know, and we started at 16 and 13. Yeah. And so that was probably our biggest struggle, um, catching up. We had a lot of catching up to Learning do to, to really grow. Scratch. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today here in the studio, currently based in Orlando, are sisters Britta and Brooke Dodgen. They are the Redheads. Visit their official website at www.theredheads.net. They are also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Reverb Nation. Be sure to engage with them on those social media sites. Be sure that you're checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R for the spelling challenge in the audience. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And please, I would love to hear your feedback about the podcast. Uh, Post your comments on that Facebook page that I just mentioned. I even previously suggested that we try to get some momentum going for uh, hashtag NHTE, so let's try that. Uh, Britta, Brooke, we are a third of the way into the interview, and I haven't even given the backstory of the two of you. I know there are legions of fans of the Redheads who are listening to the show and are, and are loyal, so they already know what's what, but for the people that downloaded who are getting an introduction to the two of you. Uh, I've mentioned that you're sisters. We, we've now established your ages. Um, but as, as you've started to touch upon, uh, long backgrounds in performing arts. You've been writing country music and touring together since you were young teenagers, as you just mentioned. Um, but I, I'd, I'd like you to kind of delve a little bit more into um, both having been ballet dancers and, and Britta, you're a former opera singer. So uh, again, as you were starting to say, um, sort of non-traditional backgrounds for a duo that's now in its 10th year. Yeah, very much so. Um, one thing I do notice with music and everything, with ballet, when we first started, um, well, let me go back, with ballet, dancing, classical ballet, advanced ballet our whole life, um, 
you listen to those critiques. You you try to become the best you can be, and there is a set technique. But then I thought it was a little hard moving on to music when you have to choose what critiques you listen to in music because music is subjective. Um, you don't know the hidden agenda of the other people that are critiquing you behind the scenes. In music, it also seems like there's it's almost a football game. There's a team going on, and they are backing their quarterback. You don't know who's working with who or what's going on behind the scenes. And so you really have to have a vision for your music and who you want to be. Very interesting. Um, and uh, a former opera singer now singing country music. I struggled with that quite a bit, actually, <laughs> at first. I was very, very classical, um, and I couldn't switch. Some people, you know, train classical and then go sing rock at night, but really, I was opera, everything that came out of my mouth. And we ended up going up to Nashville and training with teachers up there, and for some reason, the magic number was, it's going to take seven years for you to get rid of this opera. I mean, everybody was saying it. Seven years. And Brooke was just like, Britt, you know what? We got to get back to the heart of things. We're into music because of the heart, because of the emotion and how it makes us feel. And so we're going to have to project that in our voice. And so Brooke gave me a Loretta Lynn CD. And I locked myself in the room, just me and Loretta. And I played Coal Miner's Daughter over and over again. And I just, I didn't copy her sound. I copied the emotion in her voice because for me opera was very controlled I practiced singing in front of the mirror and all the correct techniques there was a way I had to hold my mouth to say certain vowels even and I needed to just let go and sing again and show emotion raw emotion but did that uh, operatic training in any way give you an advantage though even though it is you know different shapes and things like that just just the, the training alone Oh, well, I definitely think I have a very strong voice from opera. Mm-hmm. I have great breath support. We've also continued with training in Nashville and learned more ways to protect the voice. But we've also been very careful not to just become a certain technique. We have trained speech-level singing. We've trained with Renee Grant-Williams and other vocal coaches around Nashville. But we always wanted to maintain our own sound. So we are able to keep our voices, but we also try to keep our own yeah. style as well. It's important to stay true to yourself. Yeah, and certainly, you know, despite being all of 26 and, and all of 23, uh, you know, certainly they say that operatic training or not, you know, your voice still hasn't fully matured at, at these ages. So, you know, it's it's a work in, in progress or in progress, as the, as the Canadians would say. Uh, and Brooke, uh, unfortunately... Um, we can't talk about your backgrounds without having you tell the story of your unfortunate accident. Um, but then also, you know, how you made a positive out of a negative in turning to music as a result. So, again, uh, the legions of, of Redheads fans that are listening are saying, we know this story, bear with us, uh, the rest of the podcast um, will hopefully cover some uncharted territory. But for those that are listening that don't know your story, please, if you would. Yeah, when I was 11 years old, I was trampled by my horse. I was caught right in the hooves and beat up head to toe. I, my whole life changed. I had trouble walking for a full year. I lost my entire 12-year-old year going from doctor to doctor and physical therapist to physical therapist. And I had to drop out of regular school, start a homebound program. 
I became really depressed, really shy, and sunk into the sadness. And that's when I discovered the healing power of music and discovered country music. I was flipping through channels on the TV, and I found CMT. And the songs just grabbed me, grabbed my heart, and shook it up. And first, I was just a huge fan. I got Brit involved. We became huge fans. And then one day, I woke up, and it just hit me that we were supposed to be country music singers. This is what we were supposed to do. And that day when Britt came home from school, um, I met her at the door and said, I know what we're supposed to do, Britt. We're going to be a country music duo. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, you know, and I, and I left out when I was talking about um, Britta with, with your opera singing background and we mentioned that the two of you did ballet i I left out you know your equestrian background brooke because i knew that we were leading up um to that so you said it happened at the age of 11 Mm -hmm. Uh, so at what age did you start riding Ooh, how old was that she's been horse crazy her whole life i mean (laughs) before she even had a horse she took horseback riding lessons so i'd say she was just a horse crazy little girl who's always been into that type of stuff. Yeah. You, elementary school, you know, very, very little. I definitely dreamed about horses all as a little kid. I probably started riding, what, At least eight, by eight. Eight or nine. And so, Brooke, you said that you turned on the TV and, and that's where you discovered country music. So what had, what genre of music had you been listening to up until that point? Well, I'd really just been exposed to, you know, top, 20 pop, you know, whatever was playing Mm -hmm. in stores. Actually, um, country music wasn't as popular back then. You know, now Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood has made it extremely popular with the young girls. And I I think we've literally lived through the Barbara Mandrell song, I Was Country, when country wasn't cool, (laughs) you know, because I had really never been exposed to it. it. Everything that was played in the grocery stores was really hip-hop and pop. And now it's it's played in the grocery stores, and it's a lot more popular. Yeah, because back in the time period that you're describing, uh, as you said, you literally had to go looking for country music, whereas they weren't writing the songs with the intent of crossover appeal like they do now. So, you know, you could be... Uh, I won't say Publix because that won't mean anything to people that are listening out west, but you could be in the supermarket... Um, you know, and hear Lady Antebellum, and it's, you know, because they're considering that, you know, more on the pop side than on the country side. So, um, you know, there was a clear divide when you were young and listening. Yeah. And and, and I don't want to say choosing what to listen to, but um, what, what had found you or not found you to that point. <laughs> um, ladies, you're originally from Florida, but like I said, have lived in other cities uh, before only recently coming back here to the Sunshine State uh, just under a year ago. Can you talk a little bit about having to restart each time you move and what it's like having to quickly learn about a new music market in order to be able to hit the ground running and get out there performing? Well, I think the first thing that we do is we go to the local paper and we check out the music pages and we figure out where all the venues are through that yeah, and quite often we'll end up starting out at the local open mics and meeting fellow musicians and seeing where they recommend and getting our feet wet in the water a little bit and then we start submitting 
to venues either through phone calls or emails, sometimes using sonic bids as well or going online to other avenues to try that. And then eventually, um, they start calling us. When we were in Colorado, the Roxy Theater actually called us to open a show. We start to try to get our name out there. So it's just been a really great experience to go all around. Absolutely. And and certainly... Uh, you've learned those lessons about restarting in a new city and and probably um, other lessons that I don't know about as somebody that's really only, you know, moved big one time in my life. Uh, you know, the two of you have probably picked up music business lessons and life lessons, I would, I would think. I yes? think so too, sure. Um, I've just been really impressed at, at how devoted the two of you are to, to what you're doing with your music. Something about the phone call that you made to me on Monday, simply to ask if you need to bring any equipment for the TV appearance on Tuesday morning, it, it really went a long way with me. We were on the phone for probably 60 seconds, but to me it was the sign of a true pro. You know, In, in other words, I didn't have to chase you down to say, okay, just checking in. I just want to make sure that you're going to be there tomorrow morning at the TV station. And again, for the up-and-comers that are listening to this podcast, um, I would love for the two of you to talk about you know, how attitude is everything and really could be the difference maker in succeeding. I think you have to have a good attitude in life, really. But if you love music and it's what you want to do, you just need to absorb music. You know, if you're just starting out, then I would really recommend going to Nashville and going joining NSAI, Nashville Songwriter Association International, and SGA, Songwriters Guild of America, and be, and learn how to songwrite. Go to those seminars, and if you can't go to Nashville, then join your local chapter of NSAI and just immerse yourself and learn. Yeah, and every venue that you play is going to be different. So you really have to just be prepared for anything. Anything goes. Yes, like tomorrow we are playing a two-hour show, but we're practicing more than two hours worth of material because we might walk in and whatever the audience wants. When we played the Keys last weekend, um, we walked in and it was main age group 40 to 60. There were families and there were kids, but 40 to 60 was the main audience age, and so we added in 70s rock songs, and we played some country and some originals, but on a dime you have to be able to switch, especially if you're going to win over the audience every time. Well, there's a couple questions that are coming to my mind as, as I sit here and listen to those answers. Um, one question is, you know, your sister's I mean, you, you know, you, you you have to be closer than the average bandmates, um, and and yet, well, for openers, let's start with that, you know, because, um, you know, you can't pick your family members, um, but you can choose your friends and you can choose your bandmates, and on a few episodes, um, you know, we have talked about, I've had guests weigh in on, you know, should you get into a band situation uh, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, um, you know, the two of you are always going to be sisters, but one of you could walk away from, from quote-unquote, this band anytime you want. Has it been the advantage that I would think it would be that, well, we're sisters, so it's always going to go great, or, or are there challenges? I think when we first started, our biggest challenge was we thought we had to become one person because we were the redheads, and so we thought we had to become one entity. We had to agree on everything, um, have the very same personality, even dress the same. And I think allowing ourselves to re- uh, retain our individuality was the biggest lesson we learned. Yeah, and there's not a third person in the, in the band to break the tie. 
you know, so if you feel one way and you feel another way, I'm sorry, listeners, you can't see this. I'm pointing at Britta and I'm pointing at Brooke. If Britta feels one way and Brooke feels the other, there's no, there's nobody to break the tie. So you have to have some way of resolving that conflict, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think we just try to keep it real logical and, um, you you can't get into the nitty gritty stuff. You have to keep it polite, you know, to really get along and give each other the respect to let each of us process things in our own way and play up our strengths. And you know, sometimes we have to practice separately and then we have to come together and practice together because that's what makes the group stronger, you know. Yeah, and and I hear in your voice you, you're not saying it, but I'm kind of getting a little choked up because it's so sweet. Like, I can almost feel you saying, well, you know what? At the end of the day, it's my sister, and I love her. So, you know, I'm not going to fight with her over some meaningless little detail that it's like, okay, you know what? You know, let's just go through that. And for the good of the band, and now putting the sister part aside, and for the good of the band, let's move on with and and i'm speaking listeners i'm looking at brooke so i'm speaking as though this is her because she was just saying that you know but so you're kind of saying like okay i'll go with what britta wants in this case because it's for the good of the band even though that's but just to clarify the first year we didn't get along <laughs> we, we did fight uh, um, quite a lot and then the first year was but over and it was what did you get done done when you fight you don't get anything done so it's like okay this isn't gonna work we're gonna have to learn how to get along and listeners, if if you could see the body language in the room right now, these girls are, are as emphatic as their voices sound about that. You sound like my brother and I. We used to fist fight until, you know, my both of my parents had to jump in and, and try, you know, with the jaws oh, no. of life to pull us apart. But we never were in, a, were in a band. You know, the two of you, God bless you, 10 years later are still going at it after the first year, Brooke, you, you suspect, was, was, was that trying, that challenging? Oh, yeah, definitely. Wow, amazing. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is try your absolute hardest to not have a music stand or an iPad or any assistive device on stage. Go out to other venues and see the countless number of competition that is performing around town with every song known by heart. They're not looking at printouts or an iPad or something that's helping them cheat instead of knowing the chords and or lyrics by heart. As you move up the ladder, you will perform for audiences who expect you to know it all and will think that it cheapens the look of your show if they see you looking at your music all night instead of at them. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. So getting back then, the second question that popped into my head as as you were describing uh, the two-hour show, Britta, you were saying tomorrow night we're playing for two hours, but we'll rehearse more than two hours worth of material. Uh, I kind of think that's great to hear because I think it was just... um, it was on the uh, uh, two weeks ago, the episode with, with Amy Petty. Um, download that one, folks, if you haven't listened to that one yet and hear me talk to her about the same thing, about rehearsing. You know, because so people, so many, so many people these days, we're all one busier than the next. You know, people that have been playing for 10 years get the idea that I don't need to rehearse anymore. I got this. Uh, I got it. I'll, I'll see you on stage. Um, but to your credit, you know, here you here you are saying, "Oh, we're going to rehearse for more than two hours." Yeah, I don't think that's ever entered our head not to practice. 
practice makes perfect. And um, really, it's amazing as a musician that when you do practice, you start to get the muscle memory. And so you are patting your head and rubbing your stomach, <laughs> but actually you're doing more than two things at once. You're doing like four things at once. You're keeping the beat. You're remembering the lyrics. You're engaging the audience, trying to perform Having and play the guitar. Tempo without a drummer. You know, and a so lot of our shows are acoustic. So to practice the song every day or you know every other day... Um, that muscle memory is going to save you when your hand is already going to go to the C chord a minute before your brain even registers. You can put it to the, you know, the metronome and get it together and see how it's coming out. Pros. Just like I said before, true, true, true professionals. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today here in the studio... Currently based in Orlando, our sisters Britta and Brooke Dodgen, they are the Redheads. Visit their official website, www.theredheads.net. They are also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Reverb Nation. Be sure to engage with them on those social media sites. They've got a very large following in social media, so uh, be sure that you are among them. Um, Also watch for when the girls are performing in your area. Do go out and see their live show. Be sure also that you are checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R. And sign up for the e-newsletter there. And please subscribe to this podcast. I say that every week. Uh, I am reading that, but I do truly uh, appreciate it. And uh, gosh, it just makes it convenient. And uh, tell others about it, too, so we can build up the NHTE community, as I like to call it. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook. And then you can also uh, post your comments about the podcast. And uh, become a Twitter follower. Subscribe to the Now Hear This YouTube channel. And as I said, um, post your comments. And uh, I've previously suggested that we get uh, hashtag NHTE going. I mentioned in the intro, ladies, that you did a three-song EP earlier this year with Nashville producer Dave Fowler, and uh, I remember uh, talking to the two of you during that time when it was a case of taking off from Orlando to head up to Music City for that. Just tell the listeners about that experience, um, you know, how it all came about, I guess the process that you went through, the timeline, those, those types of things. It started out with us interviewing producers, going around to different producers in Nashville and just trying to see someone we really connected with, someone who we thought was excited about our music. And so we were in the process of doing that. And then we actually um, took a month off from interviewing anybody and just said, hmm, we're just not finding it right now. And then we were talking to one of our friends on Facebook and she just happened to mention that her her husband was a producer. And if we were interested, we are like, oh my gosh, we've been interviewing producers. Uh And so we actually met through Facebook, and he called immediately and was really excited about our music. And And we hit it off. Yeah. So we ended up going down there, and he set us up with a great group of musicians. Um, I think one of the funnest things was going into the studio and seeing how they interpreted our music. And this was, uh, because again, it was a three-song EP, but... It didn't happen overnight. Just what was the timeline of of this whole process that you're describing and including the recording? Well, you know, we sent over a lot of our material, and then he kind of picked out his favorite songs, and we agreed which ones to record. Yeah, we we overloaded him with music, you know, at least (laughs) 20 songs, and then just said, hey, pick your top three. And so he listened to them all, and then that's what we went with. And uh, so this was, uh, when specifically are we talking about month and year? Um, this was all this year. We met him actually, like our 
making the connection with him was in December. Okay. And we actually went down um, the day before New Year's Eve to just meet wow. him and talk to him in person, not just on the phone. And then we ended up going down in the new year and recording. And uh, It was fast and furious, though. Just one day with all the Nas- Nashville musicians playing our music. And, what, two or three on vocals? Yeah. Um, but just a few hours at a time in the studio, like two-hour slot. It's just am- it's just amazing. The day before New Year's, and and that's just you know I I want the listeners again the up and comers to hear that that kind of dedication you know because that's the time of year. Now, granted, everybody says that New Year's Eve is is the night to make your money, you know, to to go out and and, and get the great New Year's Eve gig. Uh, but by and large. You know, a lot of people are shutting it down mentally that time of year and saying, I'm just going to get through the holidays and ramp back up, you know, once the new year starts. And here are the two of you as if it's, you know, June 30th saying, yeah, let's let's head up to Nashville and, and go meet with this guy and see what he has to say. And, you know, I'm, I'm not really building to a question. I just want to take my hat off to you because I'm just really impressed, you know, at the level of professionalism, the, the amount of dedication. I mean, is this the way that you've been since 10 years ago when you started? Or is this something that, I mean, was there some occurrence that, that, you, that just kind of like triggered a light went on and said, you know what, we got to be, you know. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I think we've always been... Um, overachievers in a sense in school we always kind of strive to be the best that we can and that's always been our mentality mm-hmm. in ballet you you always yeah. are very strict and I disciplined mean, we come from a background with ballet and there are russian teachers you know a few inches from your face kind of screaming wow. at you how to do it all wow. right you know so we kind of just we've always had a mentality to you know strive strive to be the best that we can. Yeah, and and you know, as the listeners can tell, I mean, I just think that that's what's going to make the difference. You know, that's why the redheads are having the success that you are, uh, you know, because you are rehearsing for more than 2 hours, you know, for for a show tomorrow night in Orlando and um, you know, going to Nashville at the time when other people are are wanting to celebrate New Year's and you know, it's so darn competitive out there. I mean, certainly the two of you know how competitive it is in Nashville, but, you know, even in a market like Orlando or here in Tampa or in Denver or wherever you're playing, you know, I've, I'm always saying, you know, if if you want to slack off and, and maybe miss out on a gig, there's a long line of people waiting behind you that they'll take that show. You know, if they find out that you canceled or, you, or the venue's not interested in, in rebooking you, they'll take that show. You know, and, and what the two of you are doing, like you said, Britta, now you get to the point where eventually the venues are calling you. And, you know, you'd, you'd have to think that certainly it's based on your stage show, you know, and your music, but reputation. But we are one of those people that yeah. are at the behind the other bands going, if they cancel, ask us. Some we, of our best gigs have been through cancellations. No kidding. Yeah, especially in South Carolina. That's when we first started to get to play. And then usually after that, we get rebooked. Uh, talk about the South Carolina experience. Um, yeah, there's been multiple times where we've um, submitted to venues and they're like, oh, we're really only booking full bands at this time. We're like, well, if you have a cancellation, remember us. We'll come play an acoustic set and Lo and behold, they call, you know, they're like, the full band's not showing up. Hey, girls, can you get here? And we're like, we're ready. We walk in, and then they'll book us again and again. So it's really been a great opportunity for us. 
always to be ready and prepared. Yeah, that's fantastic because, um, you know, I think that gives a lot of encouragement. There are so many people that will say, you know, well, if I get a cancellation, you know, and, and nine times out of ten, you think that the booker is just trying to get you off the phone, you know, or he's trying to end the email conversation with you. And, you know, and, and you're here to testify to the fact that keep doing that because, it, you know, there, there will be times when people will call. Especially when we get um, a rejection or something of that nature, if they've taken the time to write us back, you know, oh, we're full, our schedule's full at this time, we'll bring it up. Well, if you have a cancellation, we'll be there at a minute's notice. You know, just let us know. Mm-hmm. And it really does work. And uh, the Carolinas, um, I believe your uh, CD that I referred to from 2012 was recorded there. Were you living in the Carolinas at the time? Was that the case? Yes. Yeah. And uh, started just playing the circuit there, and, and that's where you started to have some of these these cancellation experiences. We've had them everywhere, to be honest. <laughs> we've, we've had them in Georgia, in Cartersville, Georgia. The city seller called us one night when the full band didn't show up. And we were there, you know, oh, 30 minutes, we'll be there, you know. And we packed all up all our equipment over. and, yeah, any state. Uh, but you said, um, Brooke, I think you're the one that said it, that, you know, because most of our shows are acoustic shows, does that mean that there have been times when it's not been just the two of you? We've played with a full band a few times, but it's usually just us with our two acoustic guitars. Honestly, we make more money with just the well, two acoustic sure, guitars sure. without funding the band, and we do sure. do this full time. Sure. But I guess my question is, um, what were the circumstances that you ended up playing with the band? Was that a request where somebody said, well, we'll book you if you're a band, or what? Just Well, how? well actually, when we lived in South Carolina, we got to film a pilot for a cooking show there called Cooking in the Kitchens of Charleston, and it was at a low country mansion, a beautiful, beautiful mansion, and they had a French chef come in and cook for all the guests, and we were the entertainment. And when we did that, we got to play with Gary Hewitt, who has played bass with Gary Allen, and Kevin Campbell, who's played lead guitar with Trace Adkins. And so you just never know when it's going to yeah. come up. Um, while we're throwing names around, we, we were talking here in the studio before we started recording. Uh, and I think I saw it. Um, don't hold me to this, but I, I want to say I saw it on your Reverb Nation. Uh, or Actually, no, correction. It's on, it's on the redheads.net. Um, you have been compared. I, I want you to kind of finish my sentence for me. You've been compared to, and, and who was the who was the person uh, that compared you to this? Uh... Um. Well, Stan Muncy calls us a country version of the of Heart, of the rock duo Heart, yes. and that's um, just an amazing comparison to be compared to a band. As Stan Muncy is the keyboardist for the band Shenandoah. And that was probably the first time we were compared mm-hmm. to the rock group Heart. And um, since then, almost every show, somebody out of the audience will come up to us and say, you remind me of the Wilson sisters. It's just a huge compliment. Now, again, a teaching moment for the listeners. How does Stan Muncy from Shenandoah, how does he get to hear your music that he's in a position to make that compliment? Do you know? Well, actually, one of our friends on back in the MySpace days introduced <laughs> us to Stan Muncie. Um, she was a friend of his, and she connected us. Yeah, so we've been friends with him online been, and in person. It's been really cool um, in this digital age. 
getting yeah. to meet everyone. Amazing, amazing. And and that's, you know, as, as you're implying, I mean, that is kind of one of the benefits as, as much as social media gets a knock. You know, that's one of the benefits of it is doesn't make it doesn't make it easier to stay in touch uh, with people like that. And I'm sure um, probably several several others that you're doing that with through Facebook, through Twitter, email, something. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Um, so I know that the two of you songwrite together, which, again, uh, seems logical, especially since you're sisters. But then what about the idea, you know, of of getting with a third person for co-writing yes no always sometimes never um what are your thoughts on that and most importantly why um i we primarily write together just the two of us but we have co-written as well i think just whenever you find somebody that it's really organic and easy to write with connect with it really just depends on your situation you know uh situation meaning Meaning, um, what's right for you, you know, if you can meet somebody that you connect with because on I was that gonna, level. Because I was going to ask you, by situation, do you mean uh, the transient nature of, of your lives where you do move around so much, but then that's where the argument could be made that if you do find someone that you connect with, there's the beauty of Skype. Um, do you do that with anyone where, where you write uh, long distance, co-write long well, distance, I should say? Um, I think we've... We've had situations where we'll write a song and then uh, send it over to someone and then they'll write over some ideas and then we'll see if we like their ideas or not, you know. Uh, Does that transient nature um, just kind of reinforce, you know, let's just stick with writing together and if an opportunity presents itself, you know, like you're saying, then we can try out somebody else. Because I imagine, you know, all of a sudden you move to Orlando and, and Britta, as you said, right away you're working the phones, you're looking at the paper, Brooke, you mentioned, you know, you're trying to get right out there and play. You know, maybe at the open mics you might find a writer, but I imagine in that time you're saying, you know what, let's just stick to the two of us. And, and that's probably, you know, when, where, and why you do most of your writing with each other. You just have to do what feels right. With the music industry in general, there's been a few times where we've had a feeling that we shouldn't go a certain avenue or do it, and then we push ourselves to do it anyway, and then it's it's never what we were supposed yeah. to do. Always trust your instincts. Yeah, it was it was really impressive to hear you say, Britta, um, that you were interviewing producers because you know I think there are up and comers that haven't even gone to Nashville or maybe they go there once and what I'm getting at is you know to them the idea of one producer showing an interest in them you're saying otherwise Britta you're saying you know just because a producer shows interest in you don't jump at that first person and automatically start working with them just because they're the first one that that gave you the time of day yes Well, several of the producers we interviewed were recommended to us by friends and stuff, and so we were just going and just seeing if we had that connection and what they naturally saw in our music, what instruments they heard, what direction they were going to take it, and we just waited until we had a direction that we agreed with. Yeah, because when the recommendations from friends... You could have just gone with the first one. You could have just, the first friend that recommended you to a producer. You could have just gone with that person. But the two of you decided, no, we're going to interview people. Well, we we've, also- we've learned the hard way, you know, um, to really find the right people who are going to make it fun. 
you know? Well, I mean, to be honest, one producer we went and interviewed, they talked bad about the person who recommended them. So oh automatically gosh. we already said, well, we're not That's doing that. That's a them. red flag. You know? oh we, we already don't <laughs> like your soul and who you are. We're going to try to have a connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, and I think on songwriting, it's probably more convenient for us to write together because you never know when you're going to get it, get that inspiration. You know, it could come to you in the middle of the night, and I can, you know, sneak over to Britt <laughs> and be like, "Oh, I have this idea," and we can just take off with it. <laughs> yes, Britta, you're. you're <laughs> so that's a that's a perk of the sleeping. Who needs sleep? Yeah, say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds good, Brooke. Let's go back to sleep until a normal time. <laughs> Just jot that down. Um, You've got a show coming up at uh, B.B. King's Blues Club in Orlando. You've played in Nashville. I mentioned uh, Six Flags Theme Park at the beginning of this show. Personal favorites? um, Favorite show that you played? I think Six Flags was probably our favorite. We played Six Flags in Chicago. We played five shows for them. Wow. And it was just so much fun. That was a blast. Okay, because Mm -hmm. I I was going to say, you know, Britta, are you going to give me one answer? And Brooke, you're going to say, no, my favorite show was when we played at uh, the Roxy Theater. You know, Well, the Roxy Theater was pretty cool, too. Yeah. But what was really interesting about Six Flags was that we had this, you know, a great big audience, but then also the people standing in lines at all the rides and everybody walking by are also listening to your music and also even interacting with you and, you know, thumbs up and things like that. And it was really cool. The and energy of the crowd and everything. It was just it was just a really fun time. And five days in a row, you said? We played five shows. Wow. Um, just in in a day, we played multiple. So wow. just wow. different times, keep going. It was just really cool. Really cool, but really mm-hmm. exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies, I've really enjoyed having you both here in the studio with me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. And I know the two of you uh, have been listening to previous episodes of this show, so uh, thank you very much for that. We're going to close out today with another song of yours called Who Needs Enemies? Uh, tell us about that song, if you would. Well, sometimes you write from life experience when you're songwriting, and sometimes we write from stuff that happened to friends or family, and that was life experience with some mixed in of what has happened to friends and family. Everything in that song has actually happened, except we've never been set up on a blind date to a married man. (laughs) Yeah. Everything in that song is pretty much a true story. Um, It's really... I think it's really written about the industry and some of the things we've gone through, too. Very interesting. So, uh, listeners, um, pay attention to the lyrics when we play that. Um, Ladies, thank you so much for, uh, again, for making the drive over and for doing this this afternoon. Thank you so much for having us, Bruce. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. As always, I will close by formally thanking my guests, uh, today being Britta and Brooke Dodgen. They are the Redheads. Check them out online at www.theredheads.net. They are also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Reverb Nation, so please be sure to engage with them on those social media sites and keep up with where they're playing. As I said before, I strongly encourage you to go see them live. Uh, Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. That's the only field there, so it's uh, all of maybe... 10 seconds. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, which uh, is a tremendous help. If you would click a five-star rating, that would be beautiful. Thank you. 
Uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share episodes on that site uh, or through that uh, app. As I've mentioned before, uh, let's get your feedback on the show also. Post your comments on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to that and to Twitter and YouTube on nowhearthis.biz. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in crystal blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song by the Redheads. This is the one they just talked about. It's called Who Needs Enemies? got friends like you Cruising down the street Just a mind of my own When a tree branch fell Through my window